Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Thank you so much for joining us on this special update on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And this stuff is important, so I hope you guys aren't missing anything. And make sure you're listening to this more than once, because this is really, really important. And we're going to go deeper. And we're going to get even, deeper. even deeper on this as you go and show, without a doubt. I mean, we can't, I mean, if you guys want to get away from Bible prophecy, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen on this show. All right, Don't we're going to be it, talking man. about it. So let, let's keep let's keep going, because this is, this is really, really important for people to hear. Well, it's just interesting. So I've just given a, a just a, a brief rundown of a lot of the, we could just go on and on and elaborate on what happened in Spain, elaborate what happened in Germany and so forth, and and what's happening right now, where, Chad, you opened up uh, in, uh, about 4,000-plus missiles. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, God's preserving that. I mean, Jews in general, they have, almost every one of them guys has a bomb shelter to go to, you know? And they're, they know what's happened in the past, and there's no other nation that's had this is what's a blow mine. If I told you, hey, you know what? I picked the nation out. I say, you see, uh, you know, uh, you know, Zimbabwe, you know, or Austria. They're not going to exist. They're going to be hated by everybody. They're not going to exist for almost 2,000 years. They're going to become a nation again. And they're going to almost be wiped out. And then the nations around them are going to try to destroy them. And they're going to be all over the news. And you'd say, that's never going to happen. Well, guess what? That's what God said about Israel. And scores and scores of prophecies that are also being fulfilled in concert with these prophecies it's how he shows that he's the one true God. But it's interesting when the Nazis tried to destroy them. Like I mentioned, just you know, last time we just uh, when I was when I was talking, that uh, if there if it wasn't if Hitler were in World War II, guess what? We you'd be reading your Bible. It's like, well, there's nowhere Jews that exist. But the Lord says that He'd preserve a remnant among the Jews. And but God's word is always true. That's one of the things you need to take from this is he's faithful to fulfill mm. his promises. We can trust him. When the enemy seems to be raging, you're like, what's going on? There's so much persecution. That's part of the deal. That, again, Jesus said, when you see these things taking place, lift up your head. Redemption draws nigh. The word Holocaust means burnt offering. That's interesting. The word genocide did not exist as a word before the Holocaust. It was invented to describe the Holocaust. Brothers and sisters, Satan has set his sight on the Jews, and God is showing that he's one true God by fulfilling his prophecies even as he showed that he would reveal, he would he would save his people. Think about this. When God was saving his people out of Egypt, and it's, how can you defeat Pharaoh, the Jews, right? How could they escape? Do you ever wonder the history of the Jews, how this all happened? They're not just going to escape on their own. And God brings these 10 plagues, but one reason, the main reason was to fulfill the prophecies and bring them into the promised land, but also to show that he's the one true God. And that's what he's doing again. Against all odds, Israel's history is against all odds. Again, it's it was, hey, he's showing that he's the one true God. You put these things together, it's very, very powerful. And as Chad opened up the, the whole series, the little two-part series we're doing, the whole, the whole point is of this, a huge point of this, is wake up, man. God's revealing himself through these prophetic scriptures. And it's sad that the church is ignoring what he's doing, ignoring he's the one true God. No wonder people fall away so easily. No wonder, because they're not anchored in the truth of what the word of God states. And I think that's very, very important. You know, uh, Frederick II uh, of Prussia, uh, he was uh, the king of, uh, of Prussia, he asked a general there, and it was General Joachim von Zeiten, and the story is told that he asked him, you know, and he respected him as a Christian, you know, and so forth, the general. And he, he wanted to know, he goes, you know, 
what's your evidence of God? What's your evidence? And, and as the story goes, he wanted it in two words. And uh, Joachim von Zeiten said, Your Majesty, that was in his two words. He says, the Jews, the Jews. That's his evidence of God, you know. There's a lot of evidence of God, but that's the Jews and their history is a great evidence of the Lord. And what breaks my heart is, Chad was mentioning, you're seeing all over the place, professing evangelicals that claim to read their Bibles that are, oh no, God's done with Israel. Uh, a book by a Lutheran writer named Don Matzat. Uh, and Don Matzat, I read one of his books a long time ago when I bought it at a Christian bookstore. You can buy books online back then. They didn't start that in the 1800s when I was born. Uh, <laughs> but Don Matzat wrote a book called Christ Esteem, Not Self-Esteem. And I thought, you know, that, you know, and, and it was coming against, you know, uh, you know, a lot of the psychology that had infiltrated the church and the integration between the Word of God and humanistic psychology and so forth. And it was actually a pretty good book. He made a lot of really good points. Well, shockingly, you know, sometime subsequent to that time, he says this in an article called The Great Premillennial Hoax. Quote, the present-day nation of Israel, he writes, is no more involved in God's plans for the future than is France. England, Germany, and the United States, etc. The teaching of the New Testament is very clear. Jesus fulfilled everything pertaining to Israel and formed the new Israel. So everything pertaining to Israel, he says, is fulfilled. And we're now the new Israel. That's replacement theology. That is hideous. I'm sorry, that's even demonic because you are contradicting what the Word of God says. That's like, what in the world are you saying there? is that we're the new Israel and God's done with Israel. There's, there has no future for them. And no more than France, England, Germany, and the United States. Really? Show me the biblical prophecies that are favorable toward those nations that specifically mention those nations and their history where God calls them his ancient nation and challenges people to check out the prophecies to show that he's the one true God. And we're God over and over again. We've already read, we've studied, we've seen in the first half of this, uh, part one of these, these two episodes, uh, we've seen very clearly that the Lord says, if you can get if the sun and the moon and all the stars... They disappear, then I'll be done with Israel. But as long as they're there, I'm not done yet. And in Romans 11, Paul says, don't, he tells us not to be ignorant, that he's not done with Israel. God has a plan. So it's really heartbreaking. Uh, you see he's taking a shot at premillennialism, even though when you read the book of Revelation, all 19 chapters happen before the millennium. Christ comes back in chapter 19 before the millennium. So, uh, and, and, and Martin Luther was asked about uh, the Jews and, and uh, whether they were still, you know, to be considered the children of Abraham. Martin Luther said, if the Jews are Abraham's descendants, because he's saying, and, and by the way, Martin Luther had some good things, but he had some horrible things regarding the Jews. Uh, he said, if the Jews are Abraham's descendants, then we would expect them to be back in the land, back in their own land. But do we see that? We see them living scattered and despised. Well, guess what? Yeah, you saw them scattered and despised because it says in Ezekiel chapter 34, 35, 36 that they'd be dispersed throughout the nations and that they would be despised. That's even part of the prophecies. There's so many prophecies. I've done some heavy, detailed teachings uh, on Israel and, and prophecy, but I'm giving you, you know, some of the most important prophecies that really can help us wrap our brains around this. But he says they'd be back in the land. Well, I have a feeling that if they went back in the land even in Luther's day, he'd still write them off perhaps. I don't know. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. But guess what? There are Lutherans and there are people that are Amel in many different camps who are not seeing what God says about the future because they look at prophecy and they've been deceived to think it already already came to pass or most of it's come to pass historically. Uh, they've taken their eyes off of the word of God. And again, the Lord says, Paul says, the Lord says to Paul, Romans chapter 11, verse one, I say that God has not rejected his people, has he? May it never be. It's pretty crazy because one of the things you talked about is, hey guys, this is, you're going against the word of God. And when we look, 
if you went back and looked at the text of Scripture, specifically the Old Testament, a thousand times, more than a thousand times, the land of Israel is either stated or implied. Mm-hmm. And 250 times in the Old Testament where covenant appears, 177 of those are tied to the land of Israel. That's Guys, amazing. this is why we're yeah. saying this. This is why we're saying you're you're missing the boat here. I mean, you really are. And you're missing exactly what God says in his word quite clearly that he would distinct himself, make himself distinct from all the false gods by showing he tells the end from the beginning. And many and many and many and many and many, you keep going and seeing all the prophecies that have to deal with the land and you just throw it to the wayside and say, oh, we just replaced this. It's really bad. And there's a couple different ways they do this, right? Even in concerning some evangelical who do believe that there's a place for Israel and so forth. And, you know, you see, oh, well, it was before 70 AD. It was that time that God brought Israel back. Or even you see this where they say that God will gather the gather the nation of Israel in the end times. In 1948, it's either a coincidence or a satanic distraction. Yeah, and what what some of them will say is that, hey, you know what? Yeah, Israel's prophesied to come back to land, but that's after the tribulation period, after Jacob's trouble, and then, you know, after the tribulation period, they'll be humbled and they'll come to Messiah. But this can't be the regathering of Israel right here, what happened on May 14th, 1948, because they've come in in unbelief. They, they came in and a lot of them are atheists. A lot of them are agnostics. They haven't received Jesus Christ as their Messiah, you know. And it's when they receive Jesus Christ as Messiah, then there's going to be this regathering of the people. And what they fail to realize by not paying close attention to the prophetic scripture is the Bible actually talks about two regatherings, okay. There's actually been, if, just read the book of Judges. You know, there's like these <laughs> many diasporas, you know. And then uh, then read what happened in the Babylonians, you know, and then they came back. But after the Babylonians, they'd come back from Babylonian captivity, uh, to one degree or another, you know? And it wasn't just Judah. It wasn't just uh, Benjamites, but uh, it wasn't just Judah. I mean, you have Paul, Benjamin, uh, Benjamite. You have uh, those who are waiting for the constellation of Israel when Jesus is born. Anna and Simeon, you talked about th- another tribe mentioned, uh, Asher. You have these different uh, tribes mentioned of people that are in the New Testament times showing that God had regathered them to a degree. But Jesus talked about another diaspora. He talked about that not one stone we left, left another. The Romans would come and they'd surround Israel and that you'll be carried off into the nations. And there will be the times of the Gentiles whereby the Gentiles would trample underfoot the land of Israel and Jerusalem, okay, until the fullness of the Gentiles had come in. And right to this very day, it's exactly what Jesus said would happen. Right now, the diaspora took place, but guess what? They're being regathered, but Jerusalem is still being trampled underfoot. I know this because guess what? I have to sneak my Bible up on top of the Temple Mount. Jews don't typically go on top of the Temple Mount. Christians go, but you aren't supposed to have your Bible. There's a Dome of the Rock up there. There's an Al-Aqsa Mosque. But I got my Bible out there, and it's like, hey, let's study the Bible anyway. You know, get the word out there. I don't think we'll be killed. We'll get in the word, you know. Uh, but because it's being trampled underfoot, Jerusalem, just as it says in the scripture. But guess what? It isn't just a regathering after Israel's discipline during uh, the tribulation period. The scriptures are very clear. Yes, it is true. And we affirm those prophecies are awesome. When the Lord brings the tribulation period, we enter into what the Bible calls Jacob's trouble, the great tribulation period. Uh, God will pour out discipline on those who are rejecting him, but he'll to wake them up. And so many of them will wake up at that time. And, and we'll get into those prophecies in, in a minute. But at that time, uh, then when the Messiah comes, they'll see the one whom they pierced, right? And there'll be this regathering at that time. But don't miss out certain scriptures that clearly speak regarding the regathering prior to, prior to the tribulation period, prior to them being in a state of belief, prior to them being converted to Messiah. 
And there's really clear scriptures on this in Ezekiel chapter 20, 22, and chapter 36, which I'll read right now. Check this out. Ezekiel 36. Notice this. I want you to pay close attention. I want you to observe when I read this and I read the text that they first come into Israel, just like they did in 1948, and this is fulfilled to the dream of 1948, in a state of unbelief. So yeah, they do come in unbelief in certain prophecies. There's two different regatherings, one before the tribulation, which happened in 1948, and it's still happening. And actually started, I think, in 1888 was the first wave of immigrants coming to Israel in 1948 being declared a nation. But listen to this. There's two stages. First, they come in an unbelief. And it's not until after that that they come to faith. doesn't fit this scenario where, no, there's just one time after they come to faith, then they're regathered. No, there's two regatherings. One, when they come in a state of unbelief, and then they believe. And then later at the end of the tribulation, when it's a worldwide uh, regathering. Listen, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 24 for I will take you from the nations, plural, gather you from all the lands. So it's just not more, just, not just Babylon, right? Uh, bring you into your own land. Then, and that's an important uh, distinction that we should understand. Then, okay, at that time, there's a conjunction there. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. When? After he brings them in the land. They're, they're going to be in the land for a while before they're cleansed. It's not this. It's not talking about after the tribulation when they seem their peers. Then they're brought in line. This is before, and this happened in 1948. And actually, prior to that, with some of the immigration that was going on before that. For I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into the, your own land, Israel. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. Then, then at that time, when you're in the land already, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your filthiness and from all your idols. And right now, there's. There's idolatry. There's all kinds of filthiness. Yeah. In the book of Revelation, chapter 11, it says it'll be like Sodom, Egypt, and so forth. Uh, and he says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from you, your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. And that's going to happen, of course, when the Messiah returns. And it's interesting. We even have this prophecy of the dry bones, which seems to uh, uh, give an understanding that this would happen in stages, which is pretty fascinating. Listen to Ezekiel 37, beginning at verse 1. The valley of dry bones pretty Really crazy, fascinating prophecy. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of the valley. And it was full of bones. Can you imagine this happening? And it's a vision, I know, but it's amazing. He caused me to pass among them, these bones, round about. And behold, there were very many of the, on the surface of the valley. And lo, they were very dry. And that's because they'd been in Diaspora for a long time. Those bones have been sitting there for almost two millennia, right? He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord, God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God of these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you and that you may come to life. And I will put sinews on you and I will make flesh grow back on you and cover you with, the, with skin and put a breath uh, in you that you may come alive and you will know that, that I am the Lord. So they come to life, okay? And he brings them to the land. Then they're going to know he's the Lord. Verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a, a noise. And behold, a rattling. And the bones came together. The foot bone was connected to the, well, that's not in there, but it gives me that idea, right? And I looked, and behold, the sinews were in them, and flesh grew on the skin and covered them. And, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they can come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And some could say, and I would understand that if it stopped there. Well, Joe, is that really talking about bringing the Jews back into the land right there? 
Yeah, because he goes on to explain that's exactly what he's saying there. We would know that just from that text. We know this based on several other texts, but this text gets into it because the Lord goes on to explain the vision to Ezekiel. Listen to this. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. So these bones represent the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is perished. It's metaphorical of the Jews all over in the different nations, you know, saying, oh man, the whole house of Israel. Remember, scattered all the different nations at this point. And, and our hopes perished. We are completely cut off. Hmm, that sounds familiar. That sounds like what a lot of anti-Semitics are saying right now. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. There it is. I'm going to bring you back to the land of Israel. That's what this prophecy is about. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your, your, your graves and caused you to come out of the graves, my people. And I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place on you, place you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord and that I've spoken and done this, declares the Lord. So we see this, uh, this idea of them coming back. Stages, one set, and then there's more growth and, and more growth. And, and even now, I mean, there's maybe a hundred or so Messianic congregations, Jewish believers in different, hundred different congregations, give or take a few in Israel right now. So many of them are coming to light right now, but ultimately it will take the tribulation period uh, to cause, uh, you know, and, and what's going to take place in the earth. And many at that point, not just Jews, but just people that are rebelling around the world, Gentiles and Jews, uh, will have an opportunity to come to the Messiah. Yeah, and one of the things that takes place in the scriptures over and over again, you mentioned judges. Uh, I mean, we could go through a ton of the Old Testament and look through it and see over and over again Babylonian captivity where, I mean, we everyone loves Jeremiah 29, 11, right? We yeah. all love saying Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has this plan not to harm but to prosper. But what's the context? Well, first you've got to go into Babylonian captivity yeah. And it seems as though just the nature of even this, the covenant relationship God has had with Israel is that over and over again, he has used not only pagans like Cyrus, right? Pagans like the Babylonians and so forth to bring about this, this Israel, not only becoming a nation, but just in terms of whenever God has always used even the persecution to bring Israel back to himself. Yeah, that's a very important point because... That's actually part of what the scriptures say would happen, you know, that he would use the uh, people attacking them. Because if Israel was, if all the Jews were sitting pretty in all the different nations and they were loved by everybody and they weren't considered a curse and a hissing to many people, as it says in Ezekiel, they would be. It says they have no place to, you know, lay their foot, basically. Uh, well, if, if, if everybody's sitting pretty, they wouldn't want, they need to go back to the land. They'd have it made, right? But because of the oppression, God has used that persecution to bring them back to the land. You have the oppression under the, under the Soviet Union. Uh, before that, the Russian, before it became the Soviet Union, even the, the pogroms over there uh, mentioned, you know, the Spaniards and so forth, uh, Muslim uh, and Arabic uh, hatred of the Jews, uh, the Polish uh, economic favoritism that was against the Jews, uh, discrimination of the Jews. You have the escalating anti-Semitism in Europe right now, all over different parts of Europe, which is, is crazy. We mentioned the genocide under the Nazis trying to kill off every last Jew. Uh, and right now, you know, we're talking about Muslim hatred right now with Hamas and others backed by Iran and so forth, trying to annihilate them uh, if, if they can. Uh, and by the way, that's prophetic as well, because the Lord says when there was the offspring of, 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 of Sarah, which would be Isaac, through whom Messiah would go and, and God would make a covenant with his people. Of course, all the other nations could be blessed through the coming Messiah. But guess what? He said, yeah, your brother through Ishmael 
uh, the, the, the kings that will rise from him, they'll be like a wild donkey kicking up against everyone around them. And guess who's the closest yeah. to them is the Jews. And the prophecies say way back in Genesis they, that, that, that the prophetically God seen the Muslims in the future because there's a, it's not the people, it's not an ethnicity, it's a spiritual thing with that this, the, 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 this prince of the power of the air uh, through Islam and so forth give, saying this is our land. That's Satan trying to, I mean, that's why on the Temple Mount, Oh, you have the Dome of the Rock and the Aqsa Mosque because that's Satan saying, nope, this is mine. Because Satan wanted to be like the Most High God. He couldn't be like the Most High God. And he's, you know, he cast down to the earth. He has access one day the tribulation period in the middle of the covenant, in the middle of the tribulation, he'll be cast down with no access at all. But he wants to be worshipped. I'll exalt myself above the stars of God, you know, the size of the north. And he wanted to be worshipped. Jesus bowed down and worshipped me. Jesus refused it. The closest he can get is, I'm going to take that land, man. And I'm going to set my place of worship up there. And that's why on the Temple Mount, you see on the Dome of the Rock, on the, on, and all Samas too is there's no prophet but one Muhammad and there's no God but one and, and guess what it's, it makes it really clear that uh, and it says and he has no son up on the dome of the rock that according to First John those who deny the Father and the Son they deny Allah they say he's not the, they deny our God because they say their God is not a father so they deny the one true God they deny the true Father and they deny the Son and First John chapter two says whoever denies the Father and the Son is Antichrist. This is identified as the spirit of Antichrist. So this is all part of the prophetic picture, and that's why there's such hostility toward the Jewish people, because God has a plan to have favor in them. Satan doesn't want God to have grace and mercy on Israel and grace and mercy on the Jews. He doesn't want his plan to unfold. So there's a spiritual war that you have to understand. So we and that's why as believers, and I and I hope you know you understand if, if you're tuning in, you probably, you know, are where we're at. You love Bible prophecy, you love uh, the, the, the fact that we get into the spiritual war and the spiritual world and what's going on there. You have to understand these things and, with, and, we, and we look at what's going on in the contemporary world and it all fits like a hand in a glove, you know? And all you have to do is just look at the scripture and read it and just be absorbed in it and be familiar with it and you can see these things taking place. So we see these prophecies and, uh, you know, Zechariah chapter 12 or chapter 13. By the way, and, and there's more prophecies like you could read Ezekiel 22, uh, 17 through 22. And what you'll see there is the Lord talks about he's going to, when they're in the land again, you know, there's going to be uh, punishment and so forth. He's going to deal with them. But you know what he says, and I think this is really, really uh, heavy, is uh, in Zechariah, uh, I, I want to go to a prophecy. Well, with, without, and, I, and I, th I think this should be very, very eye-opening. I want to go to Zechariah chapter 13, verses 8 and 9. And, and we'll go to this in a moment. I want to take a little breath, Chad, because I want to get into uh, Jacob's trouble and you know what the basic end time scenario is yeah you know we were trying to you know hopefully if you guys are listening we are doing a special update here concerning Israel specifically because we're looking at the Israeli Palestinian conflict that is going on and then one of the things that we've been talking about as a ministry is the fact that over and over again one of the conflicts is happening in Christendom is that there are a lot of people who have become replacement theologians whether it's those involved with the SDA church, so to speak, and so forth, or others, even the Catholic Church. And, and a lot of people have done away with Israel. You talked about amillennialism and, and, and so forth. And so we wanted to really do an update, and we're hoping you guys are being blessed by this, seeing the clear prophetic picture that God has given throughout this entire teaching that you guys are getting right here, because we do believe this is really, really important. We wouldn't spend an entire hour specifically on this special, if we didn't think there are prophetic reasons for maybe you're one of the people who does hate Israel. There's probably prophetic reasons kind of why that is. From. 
Where is that coming from? And so we want to talk about that specifically because first and foremost is what does the scripture say concerning this? After uh, everything else on the other side doesn't matter comparative to what the scriptures clearly teach. So I guess the, the, the best question to have as we kind of wrap this up a little bit, and if you guys have questions, we're going to be doing a live Q&A show next week. So if you can think about them, send them in to us, and we'll try to get to them next week when we do our live yeah. Q&A. That would be great. Not just about Israel, but any questions. Just yeah. any, any old any old questions. So the question I think that would kind of wrap this up, hopefully into a nice little bundle before we're finished here, is what does the very end look like concerning Israel, Gentiles, and, and really the end of of all things here on earth. Yeah, so we kind of started in Genesis 12, 17, worked into how Israel rejected the Messiah that was prophesied. Keep in mind, Moses was rejected at first, right? Went into the wilderness, you know, shepherd for many years, went back, had a second coming, right? Uh, then they accepted him. There's great pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament types of this. Uh, but then we, you know, we get into the point where, uh, you know, they're dispersed throughout the world. And then Jesus says, you won't see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Israel is not in a place where they can say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord right now. They're going to have to go through some things where they're not going to rely on the U.S. military. They're not going to rely on their, their you know, their everything else their military is relying on. But we read in Zechariah chapter 13, verses 8 and 9 during the tribulation period, uh, there'll be this, this, this kind of sifting to see who's going to cry out to God and who's not. Uh, and he's not going to protect them as much as he has been for, for centuries uh, and, and millennia. He says, I will, it will come about at that time or in the land, declares the Lord, that two parts in it will be cut off and perish, but a third will be left in it. And I will bring the third part through the fire, refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them and I will say they are my people. So it's when they go through this tribulation period, they're being refined in fire. They're finally going to cry out to Yahweh. He's the only one that can save us now. Yahweh. And they'll cry out to him and... uh and they will be made, I mean, they're, so when, they're going to basically say, blessed is he who comes to the Lord, Messiah, where's the Messiah come? And then they're going to see him who who pierced, who they pierced. Revelation 1, 7 says, behold, he comes with the clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kings of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. Then you go to Zechariah chapter 12, just before chapter 13, it says Israel, which is happening right now, will be a cup of trembling. It'll be like a burdensome stone. Whoever tries to mess with her will be severely injured. Well, Look at what's been happening since they become a nation. They were nothing. Boom. Now they're one of the top world powers. And then at the end of that chapter, it says the Jews, they're going to be crowned to God. It says they're going to see him whom they pierced. That's in the Old Testament. I love to share that with Jews when I witnessed them. Look, it says in your own book, you're going to see one who that you pierced. They're going to see the Messiah. They're going to see his wounds. And it says you're going to mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. It's at that point that they're going to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it's at that point when they're crying out to the Lord Jesus Christ and they're saying, be, you know, blessed you come in the Lord, that he reveals himself to them, and they weep with him. It's like a picture of Joseph being rejected by his brothers, then being his brothers being restored, him giving bread of life to everybody, and then returning, his brothers returning to him, Israel returning after the bread of life's been going to the world. It's all prophetic. It's all a blow mind. And then you get chapter 13, a few verses later, verse 1, a fountain of cleansing is opened to the Jews. And they're cleansed. God has this plan. And Romans chapter 11, Paul says, For I do not want you to be brethren, brethren to be ignorant or uninformed of this mystery. So many are, right? So that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And then all Israel will be saved, just as written, the deliverer will come out of Zion. That's blessed who can come in the name of the Lord. He's coming now. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them. When I take away their sins, that corresponds with Zechariah, seeing him 
the one they pierced, and also, also being cleansed, that fountain opened up to them. From the standpoint of the gospel, Paul says they're enemies for your sake. Yeah, they don't appreciate the gospel, but from the standpoint of God's choice, they are beloved for the sake of their fathers. The promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is not done with Israel. Isaiah 66, 7, 8, it says that Zion will be in travail and a nation will be born in the day. Jesus Christ is returning. And I know I only got like 30 seconds left. So I just want to encourage you, keep your eyes on Jesus and you make sure you're you're ready for his return. And then you get to that last, and this is what I'll end with, Isaiah chapter 53. The most beautiful, powerful prophecy about the Messiah. They, he was cut off for our iniquities or from the land of living. Uh, by his trans, he, he, you know, all of us like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord laid the iniquity of us all upon him. Where he's bruised for our iniquity, he was pierced for our transgressions, you know. And it goes on and on. It tells us these wonderful things about Messiah, but it's all in the past tense. He was, he was, he was. But it was future. It's a future Messiah. But it's past from the standpoint of they see the one that they pierce and they say, Wow, we thought he was stricken by God. We thought God was against them. We thought we were right when we crucified him. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. By his stripes, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord lays the iniquities all upon him. Stick with Jesus. The word of God proves he is the one he claimed to be. We look around and say, what's going on? We look around and say, well, the piece of the puzzle, exactly where Jesus said they would be, stick to him and we'll continue to worship him as the one true God now and forevermore. Love you guys. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.